This is Bobby Guy with the 10-Minute Health BizCast. This is album one, track three. Our guest today is Merritt Wyden, operating out of Silicon Valley in Northern California. He's an experienced startup founder and CEO in the healthcare space, and he created Forefront Telecare, a leading national provider of behavioral telehealth services, which he led for over eight years. He's a thought leader and pioneer in the behavioral telehealth space, and we're glad to have him with us today. Welcome, Merritt. Bobby, it's great to be with you today. So let's talk about um, telehealth and behavioral both have been around for quite some time, but they're very hot topics in healthcare and top of mind for many healthcare planners. Can you tell us why? Let's talk about behavioral first. Well, you know, Sherlock Holmes said to Dr. Watson, I'm a brain Watson. Every other part of me is just an attachment. <laughs> and, you know, you don't want to argue with Sherlock Holmes, right? Uh Yet despite the obvious impact that our brains and our minds have on our overall health, you know, behavioral health was treated as an ugly stepchild by the medical decade by hmm. the medical community for decades. Now part of that was because that early treatments for mental illness were of dubious efficacy. But for decades, you know, even for centuries there was a huge stigma attached to mental illness. Mm -hmm. People just didn't want to admit that they had it. People didn't want to deal with it. Thankfully, in the younger generations, that stigma has essentially disappeared. The millennials have been called the therapy generation. Mm. And I can tell you that among my son's Gen Alpha cohort, those are kids born in this century, Behavioral health issues are really front and center in their awareness, and dealing with them is really a, a point of honor. Hmm. In fact, it gets you followers on Instagram. Good point. At the same time, awareness of the prevalence of mental health issues and their cost has really multiplied across the healthcare community. For example, the number one and number three factors in lost productivity in the American workforce are mood disorders and substance abuse, respectively. Both, both of them, obviously, behavioral health issues. So these are costing literally billions of dollars to the economy every single year. I think there's also been a recognition among health insurers and other payers, and that recognition has been a long time coming, that a dollar spent on behavioral care when needed is a dollar well spent. Mm -hmm. That it ends up saving more than a dollar in total costs in the long run. So I think that's a good overview on the behavioral health side. Let's talk about uh, telehealth and its current evolution. Telehealth, uh, which is basically the remote provision of clinical care, is such an obviously good idea that all the pioneering companies were early. In fact, painfully early. Hmm. We came in with the attitude that if you build it, they will come. And they didn't come so quickly. There were a lot of obstacles to contend with. There was provider resistance. There was patient reluctance. There was resistance at the policy level at times. 
But most importantly, there was payer resistance. But around 2017, those barriers really all began to crumble and really are coming down at an accelerating pace. So this has been driven by the efficiencies inherent in telehealth and the trend toward consumerism in, in, in telehealth, excuse me, in, in, in healthcare. So sure. people sort of expect Amazon Prime for healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, the coronavirus pandemic has also brought telehealth really front and center in people's awareness and really creating a, a lot of buzz in the healthcare industry. Uh, because as a wise physician once said, the only people who look happy in a doctor's waiting room are actors. <laughs> and, you know, in the midst of an epidemic of infectious disease, that's really especially true. Yes. So let's talk about Forefront. Um, you decided to focus on the intersection between behavioral and telehealth there, how do you see those trends intersecting? So there, there's basically two concepts, two basic concepts to keep in mind. First, there's a huge increasing and almost unlimited demand for behavioral services as our society recognizes their value and, and the necessity for them. So this increase in demand will go on for really as long as I can foresee, and really perhaps throughout my lifetime. Hmm. At the same time, there is a limited and, in fact, decreasing supply of resources. For example, in 1997, there are 48,000 psychiatrists practicing in the United States. When we got into the business in 2010, there were 37,000. Wow. Now there are about 28,000. So, in a situation where you have unlimited and increasing demand and limited supply, the efficiency of the delivery of those resources becomes key. And efficiency of delivery is what telehealth is all about. So you talked about reimbursement issues in the development of telehealth. Um, how do you assess the state of play on that today for telehealth? Um, when we got into the business in 2010, the federal government was in the lead on reimbursement. Uh, Medicare paid fairly for telehealth consults at specified facilities in rural areas. Most private insurers did not pay for telehealth at all. Most states' Medicaids did not mm. reimburse for it. Over the past years, all the major insurers, like United Health and Aetna, began paying for telehealth. Many states mandate that they do. They have actual telehealth mandates. Mm-hmm. I think almost all Medicaid, if not all Medicaid programs now do. Neither the states nor private insurers have the geographic or facility-based restrictions uh, that Medicare has. So where the feds were in the lead in this area, you know, they're now behind. Mm -hmm. Some health plans, however, do not reimburse for telehealth consults at the same rate as in-person encounters. This is based on the really misguided premise that telehealth is easier to accomplish successfully than in-person care. And I can tell you from painful and long experience that that's simply not true. There are great logistical issues involved in bringing remote patients and providers together on a consistent and dependable basis. Mm -hmm. 
So payment parity is still a, you know, an ongoing challenge. Um, as of January 1st of this year, CMS has promulgated regulations that enable Medicare Advantage plans to pay for telehealth in the home, not in the facility, and without the geographic restriction to rural areas only. Now, this is a hugely positive development. Mm -hmm. But Medicare Advantage accounts for only 45% of the total Medicare market. Geographical and facilities-based restrictions that traditional Medicare remains in place. But these can only be changed by an act of Congress, which in these days and in these circumstances is probably pretty difficult to accomplish, in the, at least in the immediate future. I have a friend who has a theory that uh, a pandemic like the coronavirus right now may be one of the major drivers of disruptive innovation. And so I wonder, coming out of this, if we won't see more parity when it comes to telehealth across the country. Um, sure. I think, I, think, I think consumers are going to demand it. Um, I, I'll tell you that, I, I, that no providers are going to take a, um, a cut in their reimbursement to do telehealth consults. They, they just won't do it. I don't know anybody who's willing to do that. You know, it's more the, 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 the premise seems so unfair to people that actually do telehealth. They know it's not easy. You're still having to cure the same conditions. Yes, and the, the logistics are, are really pretty difficult. Right, let me ask you about uh, Forefront specifically. When you set up Forefront, you were focused on serving the behavioral needs of the senior population. Mm -hmm. So if you could snap your fingers and change one aspect of our healthcare system to better meet those needs, what would you do? The fact is that most seniors do live at home and only a small percentage of them live in rural areas. And most are co covered by traditional Medicare and not by anything else. So dropping the restrictions on traditional Medicare coverage of telehealth would really change senior health for the better, you know, in a, in a, in a major way. It would give them access to the service so that they don't have to actually travel to, um, right. to go get the care each time. Yeah, Merritt, this has been um, very enjoyable. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, my pleasure. This has been the 10-Minute Health BizCast, broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks very much for joining us.